1: requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply.
0: 755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. is on the air now. Hey, welcome back to 755 is real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic, and I'm with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braze reliever. What's going on, Eric? What's up, Dave? Not much, man. Just, uh, just waiting for these uh, Braves to kind of get some traction and get something going. Because it seems like every time they have a really good game, like a, a, a kind of a stirring, momentum-building game, you know, where yeah. you think, okay, this could be the one that turns. Like Saturday, <laughs> where they give up four runs in the top of the eighth, then they score four runs in the bottom of the eighth and win. You're like, okay, this could be one of those games you look back yeah. on and go, "This one change." So when the, what do they do? They lay an egg the next day after after getting a lead. After building a 3-0 lead early, they get a two-run homer from Dansby uh, in the fourth inning, and a game starts at 11.35. You're thinking, i got to win a series from the Padres. This could be big for the Braves. And things just went off the rails midway through that game. And errors, uh, not failing to capitalize on run- with runners in scoring position, and then an in extra innings doing what the Braves have done too many times the last two years. Just not seem to. I don't want to say they don't understand how to how to play extra innings with that runner at second, but they do not utilize that runner at second the way they they should or, or a lot of teams do. They just have not found the formula yet. You know, whatever they try seems to backfire in extra innings. Like yesterday, Arcia tries to bunt to lead off the after the after the Padres failed to score in the top half of the tenth you know, you're the home team. It's like, okay, this is, this, out. that's it. This is team. This game is there for you to win. You got all you have to do is get in one run because that team failed to score and you got a runner at second with no outs. RC tries to bunt puts down a good bunt. They would have won, but he hit it hard right back to the pitcher and they throw out Contreras at third on a close play. But upon review, it was held up. It was over. It was over uh, or it was uh, upheld and they didn't, they failed to score and then the Padres just blew it open the top of the 11th with four runs off of Stevens uh, with another big error. And, uh, his second, second inning of the game for Stevens, he pitched great in the 10th. And then, you know, when, when, after the error, after the mistake, it came apart for him in the first, you know, they start the 11th with a double. So right there, they get a run in. So you're up against it and then it just kind of, but anyway, uh, Point being, every time they seem to, to take a step forward, the Braves take a step or two back this year. So far, you know, it's early, but that's, you know, you're coming up on a quarter of the season.
2: Quarter of the season feels like you can start putting weight into things. You know, I mean, it's when it's when it's one month or, you know, two or three weeks, it's, it's kind of hard for me to get too excited or up or down about it. But you get through a quarter of the season, you start being like, all right, we're starting to see who we are. And it, it doesn't feel like they've, found how they're going to win games or who they are. Like that identity is kind of a little different this year. And I keep thinking of them as, you know, the team before, uh, you know, that always coming back and always doing these things. Um, But it seems like, you know, it's hard to bank on those comeback wins and late wins this year too.
0: Yeah. um, They'll get to the quarter point in the season uh, during the Miami series on this trip that starts tonight. Big trip because you got the Brewers who they just took two out of three from. It's only one of the only two series wins this year. Um, and you know, the Brewers, they just played the Braves last week. So, um, and they got their good starters going again, the Brewers do. So that's going to be an interesting, interesting trip from there. Then you got an off day in Miami and then you got a series against the Marlins who are no pushover at all this year with that pitching staff they've got. So you need to have a good trip because when you're going to pass the quarter point of the season during this trip and the Mets just had their worst 10 game stretch of the year five and five. Braves didn't make up a single, not even a half game on them in that stretch. Braves won yeah. five and five in that stretch as well for the, over their 10 games.
2: Well, it's a tough trip because, you know, Milwaukee's a lot tougher to beat in my in Milwaukee. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like no bringing doubt. them to your place is one thing, but there's just something about that stadium that maybe it's the enormous batter's eye or something, but hitters seem to hit there, you know, and it, yeah. it's definitely a hitters park, um, it's a different environment. that's uh, something about it, man. It's always tough to beat them there, and then Miami's the same way. It's a weird environment. They yep. always, you know, I think guys get a little bit too much of a taste of Miami when you're in Miami. You know, there's a lot of temptation there. Whatever reason it is, there's always just weird stuff that happens when you go to Miami. You know, it's just, an off day. And if they're playing, yeah, with an off day, it, and that happens a lot. You know, you go into an off day in Miami and everybody's got their family. You spend the whole day at the pool. Don't drink the beach, any water. And they're on Key Biscayne on the beach. On the beach. And the next day you can't figure out why you feel so it's just hot. exhausted it's after an off now. day. You just come in lazy. Yeah, you're not used to that humidity either. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough trip. They'll have to they, – they need to have a good trip here, though.
0: Um. It's going to be an interesting trip in Milwaukee because they've not named a starter for Tuesday and all signs point to, you know, this could change, of course, but all signs point to Spencer Strider getting his first start. And I'm really kind of uh, excited to see what he can do in a start. Um, One of the other options with that, with Jackson Stevens being the opener, but that's out after he pitched two innings last night. Jesse Chavez has pitched twice against the Brewers this year and got rocked both times, once with the Cubs, once with the Braves. So I know the Braves are fully aware of that. And I would be shocked if they used him again after so soon after he gave it up in one inning last week against the Brewers. So that all signs point to uh, Stevens, uh, you know, rather than make a move, bring Elder up, that kind of thing. And it's not like Elder has pitched great in his last few starts either. So, um uh, I think they will go with Strider, but we'll see. They haven't announced it yet. Probably won't until t- after tonight's game in Milwaukee. The other thing obvious, the, the one that everybody's eager to see, is, is Will Acuna being in the lineup tonight. He's missed four straight games with that string groin, which they initially thought was only going to be one one game to hold him out. Then they have an off day and bring him back for the, whole, for the whole series against uh, the Padres, and that didn't happen. It lingered, lingered for two more days, so they had an MRI – and the MRI was all good Saturday. That was really good news. It was structurally sound, no problems. So they gave him one more day Sunday to see how he'd feel, and he felt a lot better after treating him all day Sunday. So it kind of depends on how when he shows up at the ballpark today. They test it. They see how they ask him how he feels, and then if he play if he can play, he's gonna to play tonight. But uh, if he doesn't, that'll be one of those where they have to consider doing a retroactive yeah. IL because you don't want to go shorthanded again. Uh, you can do it. You can go shorthand easier now with the DH, obviously, but they're not going to want to do it again after using, you know, a lot of pitchers yesterday and then with the Brewers, you know, tonight. So I'm sure they've got somebody on the taxi squad that if they have to IL, IL him today, they can.
2: Groins are tricky too because they're – it's hard to do a lot of pretty much anything athletic without using those muscles. I mean, it's like a low back. It all kind of connects your low back, your, your core muscles, your, your inner, you know, adductors and everything. They all kind of connect and work together in any twisting motion. You're firing one of them. Yeah. And that's all baseball is. I, when I was watching him in that the game that he came up a little lame, I mean, you could see it. He tracked the ball toward the right field line and he just looked like he wasn't really moving. Right. And that got my attention. And then I saw how he approached the ball when he was going to throw the guy out at home. And he made a great throw. But if you watched how he approached it, his strides were really short, like he was protecting something. Yeah. And I thought, shit, something wrong with him. Um, And then the next day when they said, you know, his groin or he was was sitting out or whatever it was, I was like, that makes sense. Just based off of how he was moving, like he was guarding something. Right. Um, The good news being it
0: wasn't the knee.
2: It, that's what I was worried fine. about. Yeah, you know, I was worried fine. about the knee, and so that's a good news. You know, and when you rehab and get one thing all strong, and you're protecting it yeah. kind of subconsciously, it's easy to over overuse another muscle. But I mean, he's in a tough position because when you come back from being on the DL or the IL for over, you know, almost a year. Uh The last thing you want to do is be hurt again. So you almost get in this position where you're lying to yourself and pretending it's better than it is or or not. But mainly you just don't want to deal with it. You know, after you've dealt with a nine month recovery, whatever it was on his ACL, anything else that comes up, your first thought is it's not does it hurt? Like, is it painful? It's I don't want to deal with this. You know, I don't want to deal with getting this better, sitting out games, doing more rehab. And, you know, your your tendency is just to try to ignore it or play through it or take some Tylenol or painkillers, whatever you can to get through it. But that's how another thing kind of spirals into another injury. So, I you know, if I'm him, I'd be really careful with it no matter how bad he wants to play.
0: And that's the other thing. Jeff Schultz wrote a good column today about uh, they're in a situation with him. It reminds me of Bryce Harper at the start of his career when he was always nicked up because he played so yeah. hard. He's always banging into walls. He's always diving. He's always, you know, that the play at first base Bryce Harper had, which was kind of si- real similar to a couple that Cunha's had where he's trying to, you know, he's going full tilt, trying to beat lands out. Lands on him. the
2: bag. Yeah. He lands
0: on the bag wrong. And Acuna goes across the bag doing a safe sign twice. That's, you know, Falls he's going to trip yeah. when he's done that. But the point being, they play hard all the time. And Harper, it took a few years of being, you know, nicked up, missing 10 games here and there. To kind of not not I don't want to say rein it in because that implies that you're not playing real hard, but to be a little smarter about uh, knowing to go get it. Yeah. Knowing when to not to not to try to beat out an infield hit if you know you don't have a chance, or not to yep. try to score from second if there's a real likelihood that you're gonna get thrown out and you could get hurt trying to, you know, get around it, you know, sliding head first all the time banging into walls, uh, you know, going after balls that you really don't have a good chance to catch. It's just it's a yeah. lot of little things, and it's a fine line. And I, I think the only way you get there is by playing a while and, and and learning how you get hurt. But it's not where the team can tell them to rein it in because then when you try to do that, you get hurt.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try to avoid I mean, injuries. There's kind of like a fine line of effort level that seems to work, you know, especially in pitching. It's like 85 to 90% effort. You don't lose any velocity. You still hit your spots. And then you can tick up to 100% effort, and you might gain one mile an hour, you know, yeah. and, and you lose location. And, and it's the same with, like, say a 10-1 ball game, Acuna hits a, a a slow roller to shortstop. Like, does right. this single right here. I mean, I know right. you want to see a guy play hard, but you can still play hard at 90%, yeah. 95% and not go that 100 110% where you're risking an injury. And these are yeah. the plays you're talking about where it's like unnecessary to go that hard yeah. and the risk-reward's not really lining up. And that's what he's got to taper in.
0: Right. And, and the thing is, you can still hustle. Yes. Routine hustle on that play where people watching at home are not pissed off. Because I understand the frustration as a fan. Yeah. Even if your team is getting killed, you want to see your guys hustle. Yeah. But there's a difference between hustle and that extra effort where you pull a hamstring because you're just going put, be uh, to maximum, you know. Uh, yes. You know, there's a difference between hustling, running out the ball like you always need to do, and 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 that extra effort where you get hurt. You don't have to go from that extra effort to half-assing it, run to first like a pitcher would, you know.
2: No, and that looks like crap.
0: Yeah, that looks and you mad. see
2: guys do that, and when you see a guy do that, hit a ground ball to shortstop in an eight-nothing game, and just you know, lollygag, just jog real slow all the way first. I'm out. He looks like you're quitting. Yeah. You don't ever want to look like you're quitting. You just, you know, you can't redline it all the time. You have to pick your spots. You know, if it's bottom nine and there's a ball in the gap and you might have to lay out, you know, you do it, Yeah, but you can't, you can't hit that. Every time you hit that gear, you are risking a little bit of injury and you don't really pick too much up, maybe a step, but not, you're not covering an extra 30 feet. By by going one hundred and ten percent, you're covering an extra foot. And
0: and I also think it's different. It's different, and I, th- I don't think there's any denying this. There's a difference between him and an average player, yeah, uh, a utility player, uh, uh a, a talented but not elite athlete player, busting ass because that's the way they have to play the game in order to play at the major league level. Uh, you know, right. they have to go maximum all the time to try. There's a difference. This guy for not to use a cliche, but this guy's like a Ferrari, man. Yep. They're finely tuned and yeah. you've got to watch out because they, they, like you said, you can't red line a Ferrari all the time. You know, if you're, if you're a guy, if you're a, a, a talented, but not elite gifted player you, and you that, your whole game is going playing all out all the time. You know, yeah, you're scrappy, all those, you know, you know all those words that we use to describe those guys. That's not Ronald Acuna. And, uh, you know, it's not Bryce Harper. And you can't go full tilt all the time, maximum effort. Play with your hair on fire, as Snit says, without getting a lot of these little nick and n- 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 injuries, like you see, like like elite sprinters, you right. know? Elite sprinters always, you know, th- you, they're trained to do one thing, one thing only: sprint. But they mm-hmm. still get hamstring strains and all that because they're going max effort, trying to set yeah. world records. You know, the human body can only take so much, and if you're elite, you're already at the fore, at the edge of what it can take.
2: And, you know, learning your body too, yeah. you know, because it, it's kind of like, it only takes a little bit of dehydration or you, right. the days you, it's, it's mainly the days you feel like when pitchers get hurt are the days they don't have it, you know, and, and you try to go get it when it's not there. You know, if you, if you're feeling, if you're feeling really good that day and the ball's jumping out of your hand, you say, I'm going to try to put an extra two on this one. Cause it's an O2 count. It's usually an extra two and it's close yeah. to your spot. But when you're down like four miles an hour, the ball's just popping out of your hand like you know like it's not even spinning and you're in a jam and you try to go get it that's when guys get hurt and it's the same with like a position player any day that you feel like i'm moving really bad today your body's already beat up you're already drained you're already worn down maybe you're dehydrated but you're not functioning at that high level that you're used to and that's kind of that's the tendency is to try harder and and even for him you know if he's if if he swings at 90 percent Yeah. He's not losing any power. If he barrels it, it's going to get out. But if he tries to go get it and and hit it 550 feet, you know, those are the swings that you tweak something on. Right. So it's just kind of learning your body and being able to, but you only learn this with experience, but it's learning what days you can push your body and what days it's like, I better not push it today.
0: And, and, and what you mentioned too is important to nutrition, man. When you're a young player, you're not thinking about that stuff. You know, you no. might listen to the trainers, but you don't listen to them like you when you get older and it's important, you know, when you're young, yeah. you're, you think you, you don't need, it doesn't matter, man. You, you just go. Yeah. And, and, and being, being hydrated and all that is so important, man. You can pull the, you can strain stuff so easily when you're not.
2: Yeah. It's just so important to be in tune with your body and, and how you're feeling. And, and, you know, it's like, you see these guys that have these routines when you're young and they have all these weird exercises they're doing, but they've figured out their tendencies. Like, you know, my right hip gets tight you see this guy just doing this weird hip exercise when you're young. You're like, yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah. You know, cause yeah. you don't need that stuff, but over time you start to need it and acquire it. And then, you know, you, you fine tune your maintenance program to where you can feel at that top level every day, but he's not there yet, but that's where it gets slippery is when you can just show up and play and you right. can just show up and swing as hard as you can. You can show up and run full speed and it happens and you can do that until you can't. And then yes. usually the way you find out you can't is with a new injury or a new strain. And then you're like, all right, I got to back off and start being careful.
0: And like you said, a groin for a speed player, especially, you That's know, huge. or a pitcher with the lateral movement, the groin is not one of those. Th- like the back is one of those things you can't just play through. You can't just take a pill and play through it or shoot it up. You know,
1: Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors.
0: He said about uh, playing hard. He talked to, Sh- to Schultz after the game yesterday through the translator. He said, "I think the best thing I can do is keep playing the way I play the game. If I try to do anything different, it would just diminish the game, and it would the game, and it would diminish the way I play." Snit said, "They talked. They actually talked to Acuna at some point about kind of not, you know, trying just to be smart, and uh, uh, you know, like what we were just talking about, like." ground balls where you don't have a chance to beat them out or a, maybe a fly ball. You really don't have a chance to get to, you know, play it as a single instead of trying to make that diving catch. Um, yeah. He said, they talked to him at some point. He thought it was, he thinks, he said, I think it was last year. He said, you got to be careful because you don't want him to get hurt because he's being careful. Right. You got to let him go. You just hope we get, we get him back in there. Um, he said, he plays his hair, plays with his hair on fire. He plays the thing hard. He's done a really good job managing since the comeback from the knee injury too. He said he's gotten hot. He's on a he's on base a lot. He wants to run, making plays in the outfield. Probably as he gets older and matures, he'll probably need to scale back some of that a little bit because of the wear and tear on his body. At his age, he doesn't want know anything but full speed ahead. But God bless him. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, hey, it's it's fun to drive a Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, yeah. if if I had Jacob DeGrom stuff or I had Acuna's legs, I'd be out doing something with it every day. You know, I just go run, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel good for me to do those things. And I, I don't know that there's a bigger rush than him using that full speed, and laying out and making a crazy play or throwing somebody out from the warning track. And you're always kind of chasing that feeling. But like Harsher. I said, I think you just Harsher. you got to find Harsher. that ninety percent. Yes. Throw 101. I just, <laughs> I'm going <laughs> right. to the park and just throw a fence today. If Sindergar would throw it,
0: you know, at, through 95 instead of 101, uh, you know, with every time he throws a fastball, he probably, he might not be hurt all the time, but you know.
2: Or if he decided, you know, being six, five and two thirty and lean was good enough and I don't need to be six five two fifty five 55 yeah. yeah. and throwing 106, you know, exactly. But it's, it's like your natural instinct as an athlete, especially when you have a gift is to test the limits of it. Yeah but yeah. you kind of got to find those limits and then learn to live right below them.
0: I thought, uh, again, we're reminded of how different this Kyle Wright is from, yeah. from past years because he completely got buried and sent down after that horrible start he had last time. What did he do? He came back and had one, one of his best starts this time, like night and day, five days yeah. later, I thought he looked really good against a really good lineup yesterday.
2: He looked great. And it, you know, I I could kind of see the Boston start coming with his start against the Mets. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he battled through that start against the Mets, but he gave up nine hits. And so back to back starts, nine hits, three runs. The next start against uh, Boston, seven hits, mm-hmm. six four, runs, four, four, four walks. walks. So I mean, you're talking almost a two whip in back to back starts, walks and hits per innings pitched. Yeah, I mean, you're th- you're allowing double the amount of base runners you want to. And so I was I was just looking at it like this is gonna be a big start for him because he's he looked shaky in one and then the next one blew up but he battled through it, which is the the big part is battling through it. And then this next start coming out and just put it behind him and have another good one. You know, I mean it's it's like you said, it's really right. emphasizing the difference in him now of being able to put starts behind him and, and make adjustments.
0: He took a one hit shutout to the sixth inning. Yeah. I mean uh or no they got they got a uh, run in the 5th on an infield hit and an error. So he had an unearned run and one hit through 5 innings. And then pitched yep. a perfect 6th. And then they got he faced three batters in the 7th, gave up a he looked gassed to me at that point, but uh he said it was just a matter of, they had, they took a couple of good swings. Uh faced four batters in the in the 7th. Uh, to the second and third, he gave up a first pitch double and a second pitch single, and then they had another error and then he came out. But, uh, until then he was in complete control, three of the, three of the runs against him, only two, uh, I'm sorry, only one was earned. So he goes six and a third, three hits, three runs, one earned, two walks, nine strikeouts. I mean, he was really impressive. Yeah. Took, took the ERA back down. It had gone from 174 to 303 in one start against Boston. Yeah. Got it back down to 279 <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. He got back on track, having a really good season. Um, he said it was all a matter of, he had a side session with grants. They noticed that his tempo was really, he had sped things up and he said, it was just an adjustment in his tempo and, and, uh, slowing things down, allowing his arm to catch up. Pitchers yeah. understand what that means, but people are like, I don't really get that, but that you know, he said it was a matter of slowing down his delivery a bit, and his tempo, and letting his arm catch up.
2: Yeah, I, I thought, you know, that's kind of a trap you fall into. You know, you buy into I'm going to be aggressive and I'm mm-hmm. going to throw the piss out of it. And this is why you're always making adjustments, because you know, if, he's, if he's just working on clean mechanics, clean mechanics, clean mechanics for like, you know, two or three starts or spring training, whatever it is, and then you're like, all right, I'm going to be aggressive this year. I'm going to fire it away. Mm -hmm. You've already, you've already set a base for your timing. So you already have this muscle memory of when I go, when I get my arm up, when my foot's down, that's when I fire. And you've built this so many times that timing's not something you have to think about for two weeks, a month, you know, these, these habits you build, but as he got more and more aggressive and started trying to fire away and just blow guys away, that works initially because your timing's established. But the more you are aggressive and the more you're doing that, it's easy to get into a situation where that aggression's taken over where your mechanics and your timing should be, you know, that should be like the first thought and that aggression kind of starts being more important to you and you start living off of that. Right. And so you get carried away. Now your arm's late and the stuff's not there. And you're thinking, I'm being aggressive. <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. like I've had the same mindset, but you're misfiring a lot. And that's what I saw him do against the Mets. Even though he didn't get blown up, he was misfiring a lot and uh-huh. kind of yanking balls and throwing across his body. And that's a timing thing. Um, so then, you know, that's these are the adjustments you make. He goes into this start, slows down just a hair. And uh-huh. it's not, you know, to the naked eye, it's not even visible. I wouldn't be able to tell you on camera what adjustment he made, right. but it, it's a millisecond. You know, it's just, it's like you just wait a, just a tad longer to go and all of a sudden everything's pure again and it's going right where you want it to. Yeah. And you still have that aggression you've been feeding off and stick with it. And he has a great start. He struck out nine, few walks, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He uh, said really just slowing my pace and tempo down a little bit was just kind of going through my mechanics too quick. So the main thing yep. was just kind of slowing that tempo down to give my arm a chance to get back up on time.
2: Yeah. It's like timing your aggression. You know, yes. I, I want to be aggressive, uh, aggressive, but once my arm's up, I'm going to fire aggressively aggressively. Versus just you know firing a little too early when your arm's not up and yeah. you push the ball or come across it or yank it. Starting with uh,
0: Jake Cronenworth to end the third inning, he struck out the first four batters in their lineup in order. Yeah. He had four straight strikeouts and six out of seven before Austin Nola's two-out infield hit in the fifth inning. That was the first hit of the game for the Padres.
2: When he's been on this year. Yeah. I mean,
0: he's been the best that, pitcher when he's been on. Yeah. He's right there with yeah. Freed.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's got potential to be like, you know, Charlie Morton at his best.
0: And the other, the other big one, obviously, on the weekend was Charlie Morton's bounce back. I mean, yeah. that was huge for the Braves to see, just to see that, okay, because he's old. And to see that he's still got plenty left in the tank and he can still not just be good, but be top of the rotation good against a really good team with the stuff he has. That it's not like it abandoned him, and we said all along the stuff was still there. It was like maybe a half mile an hour below his average velo. The breaking ball was still was still sharp, but the uh, spin rate was still as high as ever. It just wasn't moving quite as much, and the command wasn't. And they weren't they weren't chasing. Well, he got a lot more chases the other day, and he got fifteen swings and misses. Which remember that one game he didn't get a swing and miss until like his thirtieth pitch.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing with him. And, you know, that's why you have confidence in, in veteran pitching a lot yep. of times is because they've been through what Kyle Wright's going through now. And now Kyle Wright has another key. When when he feels like he's yanking the ball or pushing it or his timings off, he can just think, just slow down, you know, just a tad. And sometimes you have this this thought where you're like, I'll slow down a tad. And you're like, shit, I got lucky. That's That's the fix. And then everything's yep. just right where it needs to be again. And for Charlie, you know, I'm sure he has – He's battling aging and, and getting a little older. This new ball, but for him to find that fix, you know, it's it, he's not just stabbing in the dark randomly. He has kind of a lot of things he can go to. So you expect them to the veterans to find those keys faster. Yeah. But I thought that was a huge start for him just because it's you could tell he's been off and searching for it for most of the year.
0: The other thing yesterday, the thing that kind of pointed to two big problems they've had early in the season, um, which were not expected for. The defense has been shaky. It's not been nearly as sharp as it was last year. They have 18 errors, which is, you know, and that's not a great way to measure defense, obviously, but they have 18 errors in 35 games. It's right in the middle of the majors. Only four teams made fewer errors than the Braves last year. They had 71 for the whole year. They had three errors Sunday, like I said, by three other defense and the infielders who just, you guys, you don't expect to do that. Yep. They were tied before the three arrow Sunday. They were tied for 18th in defensive runs saved in the majors. The fan graph stat that's there, they were with just two. And right behind them, Tigers, Rangers, Athletics, Royals. So that's not great company there. Yeah, The Astros led the majors with 23 defensive runs saved before Saturday. And the Angels were second with 18. And you've seen what those teams are doing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Defense matters. Yeah. The, uh,
0: the other thing is 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 runners in scoring position, and that we've talked about that before, and that's one of those things that can be cyclical because, remember, they weren't good with that last year early in the year either for much of the first half, and it wasn't until they made some trades and some guys got hot. You know, there were guys like Freddie Freeman was hot pretty much the whole year there doing that, but until they got Duvall back in the trade, picked up a couple other guys in trades, you know, and uh, Eddie Rosario got hot, Solaire got hot, all these guys got hot, and some other guys started doing it. They weren't very good with runners to score musicians position, but they were great at it down the stretch and in the postseason when it mattered. And it was night and day, the difference. And they just haven't done it so far. Um, they've striking out a ton. They've been doing that all year. They have 334 strikeouts, most in the NL. Um, they struck out 12 times in seven innings against Sean Manea. That dude was awesome Saturday, by the way. Yeah. And then they struck out 16 times in the first 10 innings yesterday.
2: It's hard to win like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone
0: in the lineup struck out at least once. Seven different Braves struck out twice yesterday.
2: I I wasn't I wasn't able to watch yesterday's game, but I can just tell you, I mean, Kyle struck his fair share out too, but it's it's yeah. it's really hard. I mean, this is I think this is something that's just lacking in the game. Um, is just the situational put yeah. the ball in play type of stuff. The because you've been able to rely on the three run homer. Yeah, You know, up yeah. up until this year where the ball's not getting out, I mean, I'd have to go back and watch games and recalculate the scores of if these warning track fly balls, what the Braves record is. You know, <laughs> these, right. like there's been balls, Ozuna's hit, uh, Olsen's hit that you're like, you know, that's three runs yeah. right there last year and it's not there. And then the yeah. situational hitting doesn't come back to bite you. Yeah that one run you need to squeeze across in the 10th or the extra inning rule, you know, those things don't come back to bite you, but Uh, I feel like it's, the game's got a, a lot of teams are going to have to make this adjustment and the strikeouts are the one thing you have to cut down.
0: Yeah. And the ball is carrying more and the offense is ticking up too, since they took the deep pitching limit, uh, limited the number of pitchers, the roster. Um, but the offense that the ball is carrying more, you visible, you can see the difference. Yeah. There's balls now that are going five, ten rows deep, like you expect, rather than just coming straight down at the warning track. Um, and it's still kind of hit or miss. You'll see, you'll be a game where some guys where balls won't, but for the most part, so they're doing something with the balls or the humidors or something. Um,
2: I think the weather's finally affecting right. the ball again, so it, it's actually a factor again.
0: And if you're looking for uh, uh, signs of encouragement or, or, or uh, potential. Olson yesterday hit two towering fly balls foul uh, pulled them right th- right field that if he had straightened them out just a little bit would have been on the top of the chop house or yeah. one of them would have been maybe both of them I mean these were monster shots and I asked him about that afterwards and he said yeah it's a good sign when I'm pull when I'm getting elevation on pull side it's usually a really good sign so don't be surprised if he hits a rash of home runs coming up here pretty soon. Because that's all I remember from the highlights of him in the last few years when he's been out in Oakland.
2: Yeah. Those long,
0: towering, pulled, long, towering home runs
2: into all those empty seats in right field. Yeah.
0: <laughs> like the one he hit off of uh, Folti to break up his no hitter in the ninth inning that time. Yep. So there's the reason. I mean those those two balls were killed off Musgrove. So, but the first five in the lineup yesterday Sunday went. Uh, that was demerit filling in for Acuna, Olsen, Riley, Marcelo Zuna, who had a better series, by the way, better yeah. home stand, and Ozzie Albis. Those five went two for 22 with three walks, nine strikeouts against Joe Musgrove and four relievers, including Nabel, Chrismat. I don't know if I'm pronouncing this. That dude was – he struck out four of the seven batters in the ninth and tenth innings, and Nabel Chrismat did. Mm. Struck out all three batters in the ninth, and then Orcia tried to bunt against him in the tenth. So, um, but the extra innings, the runners and scoring, or not extra innings, the runners in scoring position thing, they were 0 for 7 yesterday with runners in scoring position. The Padres were 4 for 12. There's a difference in the game right there. Even with even with discount the errors, there's still runners in scoring position. You could still live with a couple of errors if you got some big hits. Yeah. But the Braves, 23rd in the majors with a 224 average with runners in scoring position right behind the Texas Rangers and one spot ahead of the Tigers. They have a 635 OPS runners in scoring position, also 23rd. Keep in mind, a year ago, Braves led the majors with an 822 OPS with runners in scoring position. That was just ahead of the Astros, their World Series foe, at 820. So these things aren't coincidence. These things go hand in hand. I mean, hitting with runners in scoring position is important. Especially if you don't have just a completely dominant pitching staff.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah, it it, just—it's crazy because, like I said, I feel like the game's kind of taking a turn from all the little stuff mattering, but it's—it's the mundane practice work, you know, just all the stuff the guys do with wash that you know a lot of teams would be easy to take a day off here and there, but those things, you know, those the games you lose because of defense or little plays are not you know, not hitting a sack fly or not getting a bunt down. Then the season you could look back and there's always five or 10 of them that were decided by something fundamental.
0: Yeah. And I want to give uh, Riley some benefit of the doubt too. I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but his kind of slump in the field and at the plate, especially first slump of the year has kind of coincided with having a kid first kid, <laughs> you know, it started Sleep. about a week after he had the kid.
2: Check and- how he plays on the road. Yeah. At home. That's that's the thing to look at when you have a kid because yeah, you know it's even if even if your wife's perfect and she's the only one dealing with the baby, you, right. she's still getting in and out of bed, waking you up at night. Right. Like you just you don't sleep the same. And if you know, like us, we got a baby sleeping in our bedroom right now because we're in a smaller house until we're, we move into our other one. I'm up. I mean, I feel like I haven't slept in eight months since he was born. And you're yeah. just you dragging it. It's it's something that you know you can't prepare me for i know after i had a kid i've basically out of the league just one but you you wind up not sleeping the same you're you're tired and then you go on the road and you just get to deadbolt that hotel room and sleep in one day and you just yeah. like, you feel brand new after a good night's sleep
0: yeah if you're home for a week and a half i mean and you're a 10 hitter days. hitter and you're not sleeping as much it's a, like we we're talking about milliseconds earlier timing oh. for a hitter if you're you can't just go without sleep or with the erratic sleep patterns and, not, and it not be important you know you'd it's be better to-
2: off doing nothing and eating like shit and just getting sleep yeah then trying yeah. your ass off in every other field and losing two three hours of sleep every night it's right. like it's you're still in bed for however long but the quality of the sleep just goes down so much when you have a baby screaming at two in the morning.
0: Right. And it might be total coincidence, the timing of it. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? And Austin Riley certainly not going to blame that, you know, no, he's because he's so happy being a dad, you know, but uh, just something to keep an eye on. Let's see what happens when they do go on the road for a week. And, and uh, like you said, guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show.
1: Requires high speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
0: With runners in score position two outs this season, those are really big. Runners in score position at two outs. The Braves have hit 234 with a 652 OPS. The OPS is 21st in the majors. Last year, the Braves had a majors leading 848 OPS with runners in score position at two outs. 22 points ahead of the next best in the majors last year, the Dodgers, 826. So you're talking about, about basically 200 points difference so far. And it's early. We're almost a quarter of the way in the season, though. And Brace could get this turned around. And they did a lot of that damage last year after they made the trades and all that. Yeah. But that's where they are right now. And if you don't think that's going to have a bottom-line effect, you're crazy. I mean, that's 200 points OPS. Their 273 it, average in those situations was 11 points better than any other team last year. Runs in score position, two outs.
2: They were the best in the It a seems major. like every game's decided on that. You know, you get you get yep. some reliever on his heels and you got bases loaded, one out, and a guy comes up and pops up. Yeah. You yep. know, and it's the mindset of a reliever after that one bat at bat in a big situation. If I'm pitching and I get that infield pop-up, bases loaded, one out, Yeah, I'm already out of it in my head. Now I just have to get any out possible. You know, I mean, it's a, it can be a line drive at somebody. It's how your confidence changes when you get through some of those at-bats. And, and it's like so many games get decided by that big at-bat, bases loaded. You know, you have to hit in those situations. And it kind of like for the team, you know, once one guy does it. Yeah. Because that was their identity. It's That's what we do. And and you have that mindset. This is what we do. When we're in these situations, this is when we're at our best. And if this guy doesn't get a hit, the next guy will. If, and so if you come up in that situation, bases loaded one out, I just got to put a good at bad together. You know, I might get some bad luck, but the guy behind me has been getting big knocks too. And this is our team identity. Yep. And it takes, it's kind of like it takes success in those situations to start building it. Then the pressure kind of fizzles out and guys start getting knocked.
0: And they totally feed off each other in those innings where they put together. It's not a coincidence. They had one of those huge innings against the Mets where they got like four hits in those situations. They had they a seven run inning against the Mets two weeks ago. Then they had that huge inning Saturday night yep. against the Padres. Same thing hits with runners in scoring position. One guy gets one, next guy gets up there. Let's go keep doing it. And when nobody's doing it, 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 it affects a team, especially a team with a bunch of young guys that haven't really done it year after year after year. You yep. take out Freddie Freeman and, you know. Um,
2: and he was the, I mean, even if he didn't get a
0: hit in that at bat, he was the king of it. Got, it he got, he was walked, walked. a
2: freaking battle, you know. Yeah. I mean, you think you're a pitcher and you have Freddie in that situation, and you have to throw him like nine pitches, and he's fouling everything you got off, yeah. and then you get lucky yeah. on a on a hard hit line drive. You know, it's a grind to get through. Yeah, and however many times, you know, it seemed like he always got the big hit, but
0: yeah. How often did he flick his bat and keep alive with it? He, he could do it like six, seven pitches in a row, just stay alive, just effortlessly. Foul ball so off.
2: frustrating. It's so frustrating. You know, I, you know, you have to have that team mindset and have those at bats and you're going to come up short sometimes. But if you're having those at bats and making them work, you feel you even feel good about that. But as a pitcher, it's so frustrating when you got the game on the line and you nut your pitch, you make the pitch you need to make and the guy just spoils it. Yeah. And you're like, Fuck, yeah. you know, and then they then they spoil it again. And, you know, deep down, like eventually I'm going to make a mistake and this guy's going to hit it. And this kind of who blinks first. But when you have a whole lineup approaching you like that, yeah,
0: yeah, and Freddie was uh like like Hosmer's the kind of guy that does that, you know. Yes, these guys that doesn't show up in the raw numbers a lot of times either. Like nope, like Freddie's raw numbers compared to say Matt Olson's last year. Matt Olson had as good a season as Freddie, or better, with home runs, you know, RBIs, that kind of thing. Some of the things you don't notice though are what we're just talking about those professional yeah. at bats. I'm not saying Olsen doesn't happen because he does, but not like Freddie did, you know. At least not yet. And Freddie was nobody in, in the majors was better at those at bats than no. Freddie, you know. And the team feeds off of that. They're at the top step watching that Freddie, and they're battling this pitcher, wearing him out, yeah, softening him up for the guy behind him. I mean, these are big things that don't show up when people say, you know, ah, the Braves replace Freddie with Olson, they'll be all right. They're fine. And Olson's a damn good player. They're, they're yeah. maybe the two best first basemen in baseball or close to it, but some things Freddie did. You have not been replaced them yet. And they're hard to replace. If you can replace them at all. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Ozuna pops out. Uh, pop, or, or I'm sorry. Ozuna was at third yesterday in the eighth inning. Ozzy pops out like you were talking about. He's three for 18 with a 4.45 45 OPS. Albies is with runners in scoring position at two outs. It's not a lot of it, bats, but still. three for Adam Duvall, who's been as good as anybody the last few years in a majors in those situations, he's two for 12. Each of those guys batting 167 in those spots, runners and scoring position. Uh, worst among Braves regulars. Riley is five for 24 with runners and scoring position and two outs, six strikeouts, 532 OPS.
2: A year These are ago, all guys getting big hits last year.
0: A year ago, Freddie Freeman. Led the Braves ranked second in the majors with a 442 average, 23 for 52, with runners in scoring position and two outs. He had a 574 OBP and 1151 OPS and 68 plate appearances in those situations. 574 OBP.
2: You know what else, too, is when you go through an at bat with a guy like that with the game on the line and you get a taste of it and they're on deck. Yeah you're pitching to the guy in front of him like I got to get cuz I don't want to go in that battle with this guy again you can you can feel the guys that you face yeah that are extremely comfortable in that situation and you can feel the guys I always knew which guys were on deck that I'm like all right if I get this guy the dude on on deck I know him he's going to try to be a hero I throw a sinker down the way he's an easy out in this situation if I face him five nothing right He's not a good matchup for me, but this situation with his aggression and him trying to be a hero, all I got to do is get the guy in front of him right now. So this is my big at bat. Yeah. And when you have the the opposite, you know, when it's Freddie's on deck or whoever's on deck, it, like Chase Utley did that to me. I could get Chase Utley out most of the time, but when it was a big situation, he made me extremely nervous. You know, just because the quality of bat I knew he was going to put up, but then he had Howard on deck, yeah. and Howard could have Howard could have been bat, batting five hundred. But I knew all I had to do against him was execute, and he was a good matchup for me. Yeah. So I was, if I get through Utley, I'm out of this situation. And that's kind of the mindset of if you've been to Truist Park and you've had to freaking grind against these three, four guys, you're already kind of taking a loss in your head, you know, because you, you know the odds are against you and how they are in these situations. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy that a, when a team is like, it feels like a team's attacking you. That's how the Phillies used to feel when they were on that run, you felt like when you got in those late, big situations, it was the whole team was having these similar at-bats and attacking you in this certain way. And on the opposite, when you face the teams that come up and big situation, nothing lets the air out of a stadium more than a guy coming up and swinging first pitch. Yeah. Popping up or grounding into a double play. It's like, I'm out of it. And yeah. you know who those guys are. So I think you know part of that is just the fear of Freddie not being there and having those at-bats can change things, too.
0: Overall, in run, with runners in scoring position last year, not just two out, but all runners in scoring position at-bats, Freddie was fifth in the majors with a 352 average last year, third with a 481 OBP. The OBP was only behind Juan Soto, who's a freak, and yeah. hitting hitting Savant, and Bryce Harper, who was the MVP, right, last year? Yep. Uh, Duvall was 11 for 28, 393 with a 1433 OPS with runners in scoring position and two outs last season after being traded to the Braves. And for the year, Duvall hit 368 with a 1260 OPS in those spots, fifth best in the majors. Riley last year hit 346, 967 OPS that tied for 24th in the majors in runners' score position with two outs last year. Albies hit 286 with a 1,033 OPS that was 17th in those situations. So the Braves last year, had four of the top 25 in the majors in OPS with runners in scoring position in two outs. Three of yeah. the top 11 in the NL.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, it's... That's huge. I mean, it's where so many games are decided. And I think about Freddie too, you know, or, or anybody that's big in those situations, the guys you don't want to face in those situations as a reliever are the guys that are willing to take their single. That's what made Freddie so tough. Yeah. Is he, You know in your head... I can't just get a free fastball away because he'll just slap it to left and it's two right. runs
0: right through the shift. You know. over the, yeah. Over the stop if they're not shifting, but yeah, yeah, he did it all. He did. He hit it where they weren't, um, took what, hit where the pitch was thrown, took a walk. Oh.
2: Yeah. It was it's an it's art. It's an art to perform in those situations, taking what they give you and staying within yourself.
0: Yeah. Um, And that's why I had this debate this morning. I was online on Twitter with a few people who said, we're talking about the Braves last year, that they weren't a great team. They just got hot at the right time and won it. I'm like, you can't argue with me that the Braves weren't a great team after the trade deadline. In August, September, and October, look at them statistically, whether it's starting pitching, offense, runners in scoring position, bullpen, how were they not a great team? They were a Uh great team, not a good team. They were a great team after the trade deadline. And that was a different team than the team before that. They rebuilt the entire outfield. And that yeah, not, only, a, yeah. not only defensively, but the lineup t- entirely changed when you added those th- that four guys. Plus what you did in the clubhouse. You brought in the Jock Petersons, Eddie Rosario, Solaire. And don't forget voter, man. People might might smirk at vote, but he had a huge impact in the clubhouse when they bring him yeah. over right out of the All-Star break with Jock Peterson. Big impact yeah. in the clubhouse. Loosen things up entirely. So, I mean, that was not a good team that got hot. That team after the trade deadline was a great team. And they well, they had the second best record, regular yeah. season. And then they just crewed. They didn't even get taken to seven games in the postseason.
2: Yeah, that's not getting hot. At the, three months is not getting hot at the right time. When the Cardinals did it,
0: yeah, And exactly. beat us in
2: the wild card. That's getting hot at the right, right. time.
0: And the Cardinals and the and the Marlins went in as a wild card and won the World Series. The Braves didn't go in as a wild card. They took no. control of the division against the Mets and and then they beat the Dodgers with home field advantage. The Dodgers had right. Yeah. And they and, and the Astros. In a World yeah, Series, it's, six games in both. So don't give me about they just got hot at the right time. This was a team that came together as a great team down the stretch. But I just gave you those numbers with runners in scoring position for the year. When you have four of the top 25 in the majors, three of the top yeah. 17, I mean, that's.
2: For the year is not a fluke. You yeah. know, for a month, for two months is. That's a you great say offensive what you want, team. But yeah. That's a
0: great offensive team, you know. And part of that's and just I mean, the depth,
2: you know, the the depth of yeah. everybody in the lineup hitting makes it so you have to come see somebody.
0: Yeah, 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 they feed so off each somebody's,
2: other. Somebody's going to get that hit.
0: So, yeah, and then uh, this year, you take out the 2 walk qualifier, and here's what the key Braves have done this season with runners in scoring position. Okay, Riley is six for 40, 150. Two walks, 11 strikeouts, 484 OPS. Ozuna, six for 37, 162, 391 OPS. Albies, five for 28, 179. He's got a 485 OPS. Olsen, six for 25, albeit with five walks. But he's hitting 240 with an 835 OPS. Those are the lowest four batting averages on the team among Braves with at least 15 plate appearances in those situations. And those are key guys. Duvall. Duvall was fifth in the majors last year with that 1125, 11.24 OPS with runners in scoring position. Hit three twenty six in those spots. He's hitting a healthy two ninety two with eight eighty seven OPS and twenty four bats this year with runners in scoring position. But him and Dansby, who's hitting three sixty four and with runners and scoring position, they're the only Braves regulars hitting above two forty in as many as twenty at bats in those situations. Darno, team best nine for eighteen, one, only one strikeout. But after them, after those three, it falls off fast.
2: Well, and I think if you look at it, you know there was a cluster of guys together that were hitting with runners in scoring position, yes. right? Yes. So yeah. when you're when you're a pitcher trying to manage this, you know how you want to manipulate an at bat to get to the guy and the situation you want. Where you're not gonna you're not gonna pitch around a guy to get to Freddie. You're not gonna pitch around. Right. You know you're not going to pitch around Olson if the guy behind him's hitting with the bottom half of this lineup struggling. You you get to a point where you're like you know Ozzy's coming up and you know he does damage. You know he's a threat. You can afford to pitch him extremely careful and and focus on the next guy and and go on the next guy after that. It allows you when when there's parts of your lineup that are really struggling, especially two guys in a row. It allows you to manipulate the inning to where yeah. you get to this situation you feel confident about. And now you're back. to I just have to make pitches. But when you had Freddie, Ozzie, Riley and then Duvall you know, after them all raking in, in big situations, you had to face somebody and you had to see one of the guys. And I think they know that the hitters know that, too. You know, yeah. the hitters know I don't have to do this. The next guy will get him if I don't. So that allows them to be patient and not try to do too much.
0: And they had guys sprinkled throughout the lineup last year. You had your Rosario's and guys yeah. like that at the bottom of the order. Uh, you know, in the middle, of the bottom of the order. You, That's where like, they
2: were choosing to go see. You know, you they were choosing to go the see. of the order. They were choosing to see those guys, and then when those guys are coming yeah. through and they're and they're firing, it's like. You're eventually giving it up and losing the game.
0: You had so many huge innings last year, multi-run innings, crooked number innings that you're not getting this year because of what you just talked about. You're just not getting those innings. And the result last year was that bullpen was so good, they knew if they just yep. kept it where it was, that offense was going to have more games than not, was going to have a big inning. Yep. And this year they can't rely on that offense to produce a big inning, at least not yet.
2: They will. So, I think they will. but I think it, they, they will, you- too. You got to get guys firing deeper into that lineup because you know, that was yeah. something I really learned as my career went on was how to manipulate an inning, and you kind of unintentionally, intentionally walk guys. You know, yeah. Mike Morse comes up in a big situation and LaRoche is on deck. I'm like, here you go, Mike. If you want to chase a sinker, you know, yeah. four or five inches off the plate and hit a ground ball, you're welcome to. Otherwise, go stand at first, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna get LaRoche. You know, and it, yeah. it kind of, it, when you have that confidence as a pitcher it's it's incredible how many times guys come up and try to be a hero and give you that free out when you weren't even trying to interact with them. you know, like, yeah. I'm trying to send you to first base, and they still want to hit. Uh, but when you yeah. have a lineup that's weak in that bottom half or certain guys slumping on deck, you know, it just it gives the pitchers too many choices in how they want to attack your lineup.
0: Yeah. And the strikeouts, man, with the runners in scoring position, that they just got to cut those down. Jesus. I mean, even Acuna. Even Acuna. Now, granted, he hasn't had a tough time to really get on, on track yet, but he's he's struck out in five of his ten at-bats with runners in scoring position. A couple of those were questionable calls, looking. Yeah, Loretta has struck out in five of his eight at-bats in those situations. Very small sample size, but that's a lot of whiffs, man, where you didn't those even are, put the
2: ball in play. Those are results for me of trying to do too much and and not taking what's what's coming to you. You know, striking out looking is, I wouldn't say trying to do too much. but right. When you see a guy come up bases loaded, I mean, there's nothing more, you know, encouraging as a pitcher or deflating for an offense is some guy just comes up hyper aggressive and you can see it when they get in the box. Yeah, this guy's going to try to be a hero. So yeah. you test them with a slider in the dirt and they chase Ways it the first pitch swinging first pitch. You're like, all right, now I'm a one when well, I got one to burn. Let's throw another one in the dirt. and They chase that. It's like I got four more pitches to strike this yeah. guy out.
0: Yeah, it's like those at bats. When those at bats start with a swing at the first pitch uh, against, especially against a guy that just loaded the bases, walked a couple of guys or something, that's when you're like, oh, yeah. uh, "This ain't going to end well."
2: It's just not smart baseball. You know, you yeah. gotta let you gotta let a lot of these pitchers hang themselves.
0: Ah, uh, just a quick look. My, Milwaukee series starts tonight. Atlanta's got got a couple of good ones going. Man, they got Ian Anderson. This is these are great pitching matchups. Ian Anderson against Freddie Peralta tonight. And then the, the series finale Wednesday, Max Fried against Corbin Burns. I'm
2: gonna take the under.
0: <laughs> That's gonna be a good one. And then in the middle yeah. game, they got Adrian Hauser going. He's got a three eight six ERA. And like I said, it's probably gonna get against Spencer Strider, although that could change. I'm not they haven't said just that a lot of signs point to that. So I'm really interested to see how that goes. But gonna be a big series. Then they'll have a day off. Then they got Miami coming up. So it's not late. It's not uh early. We're just kind of in that spot where the Braves need to start making a move and they know it. They're not and they're and to their credit, they're not saying it's early. They're saying, no. okay, we need to get going. We need to start winning some games. They know how good the Mets are, you know. Yeah. And until proven otherwise, these Mets are don't look like the Mets of old. So we'll see. I mean, they can they can have injuries too, and they've got some guys that have gotten blown up lately too. And McGill, you know, I think he d- didn't he get hurt and he got blown up too.
2: I'm so. not sure, but you know the one thing that that I know is momentum can swing fast in New York. <laughs> you know everything's oh, yeah. amplified. You get in a little tailspin in New York. I mean, you're, you that the thing that scares me is they got Buck to navigate him through it. You know yes. where I feel like they didn't have somebody to. to you know, I don't want to criticize other managers, but right, you can. They messed it up.
0: They messed it up you, all the time. In the you past.
2: have to have somebody in New York. You have to have somebody yeah. that. If if the Mets were playing the way the Braves were playing right now, yeah, their season like you, I could just write it off. Like th- this is there, it's going to be impossible for them to get out of that because yeah. of the pressure and the, and you have to have the right leadership. But with with Buck running it, you know, it's like it's like I think Joe they Torrey. can get through. Yeah, back with the Yankees. always calm, You're
0: just a perfect guy to lead that team all yep. those years. Perfect guy, uh, Tyler McGill. Yeah, he landed on the fifteen day IL biceps injury.
2: And he's been good.
0: Yeah, he's been really good. Uh, and, and that explains. Can't tell me, the getting another MRI. I'm telling you, man, it's it, they, as good as they look. You lose mm-hmm. McGill, and if the doesn't come back, it'd be interesting. The, the, the thing they got going for him, though, obviously, besides Scherzer and besides a really good lineup, is and Buck is that owner Lim- with a wallet that yeah. he's not going to get, get this close and no. be in a position. Where if he spends another fifty million dollars, he can. He can, feels like he can get the playoffs and win. He'll do it.
2: Yeah, he will.
0: This isn't a corporate thing where they have to meet over and talk about this guy. Be like, that's what we need to do. Do it. So that's the thing you got to keep in mind. They will go out and add some big salaries if they need to. Yeah, they will. Whereas the Padres are going to try to do it by getting Robinson Cano.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: that that he does not look he, he's a shell of the player he once was but
2: yeah he doesn't look fired up to be there no he does not
0: he was not I don't. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't look too jacked up to be playing in the most beautiful city in america as they say
2: now i mean i'm sure it's it's hard to swallow you know being a star in the yankees and you get yeah. to this point in your career and you've got cast all these, off yeah
0: The team you're playing for now, you know they're paying a minimum salary. The other team paid your money for you to go away.
2: Yeah, it's a tough spot. I I, I don't know if I'd be feeling great about myself either, but you know it's better than winding up on one of these teams that's rebuilding or not. Oh yeah, no shit, man. You landed at the right
0: place. Living in San Diego, playing for a contender. I bet he'll be fired up when they play the Mets.
2: Yeah.
0: If he's not, then he's not. (laughs) He's just dead inside. all right we'll talk again we'll do one of the, uh, one of the room things here in the week at some point maybe on the off day and talk to you guys and see what your what your questions are i got a feeling what some of them are yeah all right 755 is real appreciate it everybody thanks